Welcome back to Queer Alien Blaster. Today we are recapping episode 208. So let's just get into it. And the first thing is we meet Agent Grace Powell, who is an FBI agent um, who comes into Roswell to investigate the um, missing people um, that have been happening. And she meets uh, Max and Liz, who are working on finding stuff from Jenna's car Um, and we very quickly learn that she is in fact not an actual FBI agent and also not named Grace Powell but she is Jenna's sister um, Charlie which was it a surprise to anyone if we were supposed to be it fell flat yeah I mean Jamie and Riley look like they could be sisters um so Max and Charlie team up to uh, look into Jenna's disappearance. Um, And the first thing I think is Max has this conversation with Jesse, um, which was actually, I don't know if it, it wasn't funny, but like it was interesting to see Jesse being vulnerable, but I think it's also very much a facade of him you know pretend he's not pretending like of course he had a major health event but um i do think that there's something there um that is not telling yeah you can tell he's like he's like switching gears to like let's try being like emotionally manipulative or maybe maybe you know showing that side of it maybe this will work maybe this will appeal to max more which is actually kind of genius in the way that if he's manipulating Alex and Max with this, because I feel like that would work more on them than anyone else. Like to have this sort of like emotional, you know, talk and and appear to make yourself vulnerable would work on Max and Alex. What did you do to Jenna? I told her the truth, which is more than you ever did. Kind of a wolf in sheep's clothing, aren't you? And what are you? Do you feel like a hero? All those people you tortured, all those people you killed. Turns out none of them was an enemy. They were refugees. So you're not just a murderer, you're a failure. Yeah, I know. I am. I'll tell you, something shifted in my brain. When I had the stroke, all the hate's gone out of me. All the fight, coffee was over. My son Flint has been reassigned. Now look at me. I barely walk. Um, so from this conversation, we uh, learn that apparently, or from what Jesse said, he had given Jenna information about this uh, paramilitary organization named Deep Sky. And I just want to say that I'm pretty sure that he just made it up that they talked about it because I didn't hear a word from that. I, I don't remember it at all from their scenes together in the two or three, I think it was. Not specifically Deep yeah. Sky, no. I mean, no. that's what I'm thinking. They told us, not yeah, showed us. That's what I'm think. thinking. Is it just another, you know, instance of telling it? Well, if the, if the design that if the design that Jesse gave Max didn't match that twin's ring, mm-hmm. I would think he just made it up. But that is the actual yeah, same design. But so obviously, it's he, we never heard him talk about it with Jenna. So I'm just thinking, yeah. But I'm just thinking maybe it's him saying, "Oh, I told her," and then she went and made the decision of you know to meet them herself just to cover up that. You know, he's he's sending Max to look into it. Um, I, from the way Roswell is, I would imagine that wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility. 
for him to tell us that they had that conversation and then we just never saw it. And then there's events happening because of this off-screen conversation or off-screen detail. That would make... I wouldn't be surprised. I would be more shocked if he was lying because then it would be like different than what we've seen on Roswell this season. I just want to... I want to be a little hopeful and say... Jesse is a piece of shit and he's working with them and he sent and told Max that on purpose just to send him and look into that, you know? Maybe, yeah. I mean I'm I'm all for much more subtle writing and seeing some like villainous um characterization come out and rather than more telling and not showing. So anyway, um then we see Max and Charlie actually teaming up teaming up to rescue Jenna. And in the meantime, we also learn a little more about Charlie's background in science, which is similar to Liz's. And then they go and rescue Jenna. I feel it was pretty easy to find her and rescue her. Too easy, maybe? Oh, yeah, like she described... um, So, uh, what was it? Charlie described what she heard on the phone and Max is like... Yep, I know exactly where she is. I'm like, that only happens on Criminal Minds. What is that? How do you people mm. know this? Like, they, it's like she'd been planted there for them to find. Well, and I, are, are we assuming that these are the same people who took Mimi? Who was also easy to find. So maybe there's like a point to that. That it's just all like, everything feels, you know, when an entire show, everything feels like a red herring. Because, like, every episode I'm like, oh, well, then maybe this will make sense later on. Or maybe this is a red herring for this. And it's just like, is everything a red herring? Like, I don't understand what's... I don't trust anyone. I don't trust anything. Um, And so I think the fact that they were so easy to find and it was, you know, relatively little drama is... Mm -hmm. It's either poor narrative structure or Mm -hmm. there's, like, an actual point to it. Well, and we've said a lot this season during the recaps that... You know, there's no, there's no payoff to anything that happens on the show. There's no consequences. There's no nothing. And maybe this is just this whole season, just building these little things that we never get satisfaction for. And it's going to pay off in the last, what, how many episodes do we have left? Five? I would hope so. I mean, I would hope there would, when there was a point to this season. It'll be, it's a lot to sit through when, if, if, if it's all boiling down to like the final three or two or three episodes and you're like, that's a lot to sit through to sort of come to that boiling point. But things are just not, and I don't know if it's because I'm more disconnected from the show than I was last season or, you know, just this sort of world that we're living in right now and I can't focus on anything. Nothing is really connecting in my brain. Deep Sky stuff and, and Project Shepard and then Mimi and Jay. Like, nothing is really connecting in my brain in a way that is making any sense. And I don't know that that's necessarily the show or if it's me, but I'm so lost. Yeah. I feel like it's more it's, it's more of a narrative thing because they, they do stuff in one episode and then they wait two, three, four episodes to bring it up again. And so by the time they do bring it up again, you're like, okay, what, like, I, I can't, I don't remember this. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to think here. For example, somebody sent an ask on Tumblr to me and they were like, just sort of like giving us ideas for what to talk about in this episode. And they said something about an evil twin. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, I didn't, I legit did not remember what is probably supposed to be a big plot point in 206 that was like supposed to be a big deal. But because nothing mm-hmm. came from it, nothing happened. We have no idea. It was just mm-hmm. completely pointless to the the story. I completely forgot about an evil twin. Like, what? I didn't know what you guys were talking about until in our group chat about evil twin until right in this <laughs> moment. <laughs> so. Well, it's because you forget. I mean, it's because it's yeah. two episodes later. There's no uh, fallout. Well, and for, for so much having gone on, I mean, I think we are definitely, the three of us are not casual viewers, even if we feel disconnected from the show. My best friend is very much a casual viewer, and she has told me, with everything going on in this season, this season feels slow, because nothing is happening. Um. So before we talk a little more about Charlie, I did want to... Um, 
focus a little bit on Liz kind of saying fuck it and going in for, you know, her science experiments at the end because I love that. Um, because Max telling her, you know, don't look into it, it felt very much like Noah telling Isabel not to use her powers at the end of, of last season. Um, so I did like Liz just saying, you know, this is, you know, this is my, my, my job. Uh, and I'm doing it. So I did like that. Well, and it's an, it's it's always nice. Like, there was a couple times this episode where Max, like, shut Liz down. Like, in the beginning of the episode when they first meet Charlie. And Liz is like, yeah, we don't have a lot of faith in the criminal justice system. And Max turns to her and is like, Liz? It's fine. And I was just like, if my man even tried to shut me down like that, I would lose it. Um, and I think that there was a, you know, that, that, that happened a couple of times and I'm glad that, you know, Liz sort of was like, mm, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do kind of what I want to do to an extent. Yeah. He's not, he, I'm sorry. He's not Max, right? He, he was more like himself this episode, which means just an asshole. Well, I mean, Max is terrible, even if he's not Max. So, um, but I did like that kind of. Um, beginning of this moment of saying maybe they are not really as happy as they look because Liz is like at the end she's lying to him you know she's saying I'm going home yeah so I did like this um, kind of little detail which you know some angst like that might do them some good though you know even if he is really Max to have that you know because We've had, they've had such like sort of fairy tale falling in love and all that stuff. And not that they haven't had angst. I mean, he did die. Um, but, you know, it would be kind of nice to see some non-death angst for Echo. To see some real testing of their relationship. Because if I have to suffer through it, every motherfucker has to suffer through it. So we're going to make all the ships suffer. Let's talk a little bit about Charlie. Um, so Jamie, who plays her, is a trans woman. Um, we didn't have a confirmation that the character is trans herself, but I think we can assume. Like, I kind of love that because it's not this, then it just doesn't become, because I feel like if that had come up, it would have become like Charlie as trans woman versus Charlie just as a character part of the plot. So I really kind of enjoyed that. Well, and I know we've talked before about (laughs) the show's tendency, especially the season two play social justice bingo and i loved that charlie i'm sure it's going to come up later but i loved that charlie in this episode it was never brought up that she could possibly be trans um i would personally love it if she wasn't and that it was just a trans actress playing a female character and it's just never i mean but it's never going to happen but i'd love to see it um I do want to talk about one line that I think is curious to have a trans woman say, even if she's not playing a trans character. Um, Because I think that this is one of probably one of the most problematic lines I've ever heard on Roswell, New Mexico. So Charlie and um, Liz are in the car and they're having a conversation sort of about their history and, you know, academia or whatever. No offense, but if it's true that you've been in prison and in hiding does not seem like you've seen much of the inside of a lab either. I went too far. I thought that I was building something with real value. The thing is, anything that has the potential to create real change, it scares people. And anything that scares people is inherently dangerous, no matter what your intention is. Now, to have a trans woman say this, anything that scares people is inherently dangerous. How mind-blowingly offensive. Like, I know they're talking about science and sort of what their research is. But there are lots and lots and lots of people, especially where Sarah and I live, that think that trans people are scary. That think that gay people are scary. That think that whatever, whatever, whatever is scary. And then to have the trans woman say anything that scares people is inherently dangerous. Bad choice, terrible line, 
because that reaffirms a lot of fears that people, especially in the South, but people everywhere have, closed-minded people have about trans people. I know that I'm probably reading too much into that line. That's fine. I think it's another instance of the show not thinking something through. I mean, I don't... Obviously, that was not the intention with the line, because like you said, they're talking about science. I don't care about the intention, though. And I get that. And I, I tend to agree. Um, it's I li- I'm I live in a big metropolitan city. It's dangerous to be openly trans here. We you we get it all the time. Um, a trans woman here in Dallas last year was assaulted and she went to the police and uh, a few weeks later she was shot and killed. So to I agree with Amanda. It, it, it's a very poor choice of words. Because you take that line and you apply it to anything. Everything has scared people at one point in time. Black people have scared people. People of color of any nationality have scared people. And so now you're saying the line, anything that scares people is inherently dangerous. That is ridiculous. It is, that is right wing bullshit. That I, again, I know, and and it comes in down to, as always with this show, intention versus how it came out on the screen. I understand what their intention was. I know what they were trying to say. Giant miss for me. So, I mean, I just, you know, every, and people may not, you know, people may not agree about that line, but I think that it's another where, you know, I don't know who specifically wrote that line, um, but it's another sort of privileged idea that I, I just, I don't ever want to hear anyone say that again. What, I mean, I just, that whole, that, that's, that whole idea is terrifying. Like to call anything inherently dangerous like that is what a way to like make the world black and white when it isn't so so next topic is rosa and we open the episode with this little scene um about rosa finding a new style um to possibly get out into the world again um, and she's with Liz and Isabel, and I just, I loved that. Uh, I was just, you know, just them being friends, and then, you know, it was super cute. I know that, that our little podcast is not responsible for this, but I remember saying pretty early on, I think in our Women of Roswell episode, how much we wanted Isabel to have scenes with women, and they've really delivered this season, so I will give them that. I loved that scene. I love that she and Rosa are kind of friends. Um, I, I really loved that scene. The one thing that really gets me, though, is that so you, so we're assuming here that she's coming up with some new persona so she can actually leave the house. They couldn't come up with a better name than Rosa Linda. Was that the name? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is her actual name. It's her actual name. That's that's what her mother called her in the last episode. It's her actual full name. Ah, you know what? That just (laughs) passed me by. I didn't even think about it. Like, wow. (laughs) Also, you have a full-on hacker with, you know, years of experience and you didn't call him. Like, you have Alex right there and you didn't call him to craft this new persona for her, like documents and stuff. Are you stupid? Like, they're all so stupid. Oh, my God. (laughs) I mean, these are the people that let um, Max cook in Noah's evil pod for months, so. Um, And then we see um, Rosa go to the caves, which we know are still the hanging out spot for the cool kids um in roswell and she meets um first she meets some very rude kids and then she meets this girl iris who is played by madison mclaughlin who i love Uh, i was just my little teen wolf fan heart was just oh my god oh was she on teen wolf yes she played um she played Derek's girlfriend in high school, the one that dies. Of oh, course. Paige. Yeah, right. Paige. Okay. 
Okay, I remember so, her from Arrow, so. Yeah, Arrow, she was on Supernatural as well. She was on a lot of stuff. But no, anyway. she was cute. I liked Iris. Yeah. I really did. So we see Iris, and um, she gives Rosa this leaflet for an art show, which Rosa goes to. And I love that scene of seeing the art show. But then, of course, because we can't have good things, um, the art show was actually Rosa's dream. Um, and we find out that she's actually passed out um, into the cave and she almost dies again. Which, can we just let Rosa be happy? Like I get you know that the point you know it's that that this is what addiction is like and relapsing sort of relapsing and then and and then sort of spiraling i totally get it um in a show that only has 13 episodes though it's become so formulaic with rosa and she's the most interesting character they have right now and it's become a little bit formulaic where you know things happen to rosa and then she you know will re, you know relapse again or drink or or take pills and then she collapses and liz has to find her and it's just like i i and I, it's 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 realistic in one way but also when you're when you have so few episodes that then it becomes a little bit repetitive in in that storytelling way yeah i did like the scene um at the hospital though when she wakes up with with liz um not considering the fact that they tell us that Maria was there and they still haven't shown an actual full scene of Maria and Rosa's friendship. But anyway. I I can't do the telling not showing anymore. Like, you have to integrate characters together. I'm never going to care about them. I, I can make up as many headcanons as I want. We can make as many, like, AU gift sets till our, you know, our faces are blue. You have to show me content on screen for me to believe that these people are friends. I, I, I don't care about what they say anymore. Show me. It was interesting, and I, and I think it was a good character step for Rosa to actually say, I want to go to rehab. I don't know how to be okay, Liz. I'm not like you. Everybody needs help sometimes. Help like rehab. I know oh, you don't. I wish, I wish I could go to Cause every day I think that I'm gonna do better. And every day I mess it up. I think that I'm gonna be a good sister or a good daughter. And I just, I think about what I would have done if I didn't always mess it up. What art I'd have made or friends I would have and what I'd have seen. Um. And, and and Liz is saying, you know, we'll make it work. Um, we'll, we'll do this for you. And I, I do hope that that's something that she actually does and she actually succeeds in it because she she deserves it. I mean. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. I don't want to see her. I don't, I, I don't want her to relapse again. Not because it's not realistic, but because now we've seen it, you know, that I feel like it would be in, in terms of the way the show is structured, it would feel like a major step back for Rosa as a character if we saw it again. I wouldn't be against seeing Rosa being tempted because that, oh, yeah. when you're an addict, that feeling is always and working there. working through it. Oh, for sure. I don't want her to give in again. I don't want her to relapse again. We've, we've seen that. We've done that. It's finished. Let's, let's show a, an addict who overcomes their addiction and succeeds right going through therapy going through what it actually is like to try to get help that would be that would be a major step forward for rosa okay so our next group of characters um michael maria and isabel maria and isabel are girlfriends I mean, can we just, my God, Karina, just do it. Just like fucking the chemistry that they have in a five minute scene is better than any Michael and Maria scene I've ever seen. I've ever seen on this show. What? The the touching of her chin and like pulling it up like what? Ooh, ooh, the hand holding. Oh, please. The, the everything, like every, all the little touches and all the little things this year. Like, let's not, let's not joke around about it. Let's just, just do it because it's perfect. 
Ugh, anyway. (laughs) (laughs) We have completely indifferent feelings about Maria and Isabel. Um, So anyway, we... um, Their scenes start off with uh, Maria still wanting to find out more about her powers, just try to, you know, experiment a little bit with them. Um, And Michael is still the one that's kind of like, eh, maybe not, you know, your brain is kind of, you know, that's not good for your brain and stuff. Um, And I did like that we got the confirmation of the necklace theory. Um, You know, it's the necklace is, you know, suppresses your powers and etc. So then we have Michael on the one hand telling her, you know, or asking her. It's it's he's more asking her. It's not like Max telling people, don't do that. He's more like, eh, I'm worried about you. Can you maybe not ruin your brain? Which is a fair thing to ask your girlfriend. No matter what fandom seems to think about Michael Guerin, he's not evil. I mean, he, he clearly cares about Maria, even if we never saw it come into fruition. I mean, even if we never saw it build. Then we see Isabel obviously being sent by Michael um, to try a different approach with Maria. Uh, but I think they have either a close enough development or I don't know, maybe it's the feminine touch uh, but Isabel and I think Isabel understands where Maria is coming from um, with wanting to learn more because I think Michael is kind of over that step already um, and Isabel is just now trying to find herself and trying to you know explore her powers and understand herself which is kind of where Maria is so they have this um, thing that you know binds them together so they go off and then try to learn more uh, about Isabel's history using Maria's powers, right? That what was what was happening, and we learn about oh Isabel learns about her mom, um, which was cute, yeah. But it's very very sweet, like her realizing that that was her mom and the very like young look on her face and how super excited she was. I really liked that um, because we've gotten you know Michael's gotten a lot of of information about Nora. Um, more so than, of course, Max and Isabel have. So it was good to see that glimpse of Isabel getting to know her own mom. Well, and again, I know that, that Cassandra Mel is a friend of Karina's. And the, I mean, I know she's an actress, but that's probably part of how she ended up with the role. But she that's another good casting because she looks like she could be related <laughs> to Lily. So um, Isabel learns about her mom and um, then she talks about it with Michael and she says that she saw in the vision, she saw the little kid Waltz with met him before. And they talk about, um, this little, you know, toy that it, they had built and Michael has the real realization and apparently Sanders is Walt, which again, shocker. Um, which no, literally not shocking at all, but he doesn't look, fucking 80 years old like he's like at most 60 right so like what how is he born in like 1940 like that doesn't so i think it's just like a suspension of belief we're just supposed to believe that he's 80 maybe he's a really healthy 80 and another thing another detail that was just funny to me watching it was michael just going you knew my mother and it's just michael it was in the 1940s. You're 28. It is not realistic if you're not outing yourself as an alien. And we, we're supposing that Walt does, Walt or Sanders doesn't know that they're aliens. Surprise! Surprise! I was actually born in the 40s. Like, were they're actually the same age. Like, um, I, you know, and I. If we, if, we, if we were supposed to be surprised by that, I wasn't. I mean, we knew that was coming, which is fine. Uh, um, again, not everything has to be a twist or a plot. You know, it makes it makes sense. But I, I will say it's sad to have another person in Michael's life 
who he's known his whole life, who knew information about him and his mother that he didn't know. Like, it's just another, like, sad brick in the building that is Michael Guerin. Like, it's just another little, like... But did... Yeah. But do we know that Sanders knew that Michael was Michael? I mean, he never met him in the 40s. Like... I'm going to assume he knows somehow. I don't know. I mean, he kind of nods in a way. He kind of nods in a way that is like, "Mm, yeah... Um, so I don't know. I mean, from what we've seen, Nora didn't actually tell him more than the fact that she had a kid. We also doesn't, it doesn't matter what we've seen on screen. Cause it's just, he could just say, well, she told me everything and then that's it. Yeah. And I know that next episode, we're going to get into that. We're going to get into the flashbacks, flashbacks a little bit more. So I assume that he will explain in the next episode. Anyway, and the last thing I had for this section was um, Michael kind of coming around and being like um, to Maria, being like, you know, it's 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 not fair to for me to say, you know, don't do sh- don't do stuff, you know, I don't want to be controlling or whatever. Um, and I I, I kind of like that scene because it was more like him saying not directly, but him. Not necessarily me wanting to be controlling of you, um, which I think was very in character and very good for him as a character. And the and the very uh, telling line of I'm not going to leave you. Okay, well, yeah. in a show that doesn't know subtlety whatsoever, that was a very telling line. So just saying. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that the that. Um, divide will continue even if if Michael is saying you know go ahead and do whatever you want I'm I'm assuming with his feelings over the matter won't just go away like this I'm assuming I don't know their relationship doesn't make any sense so they might just be peachy after this I don't know can I just say though as someone who's not in my Lucas Schiffer I actually except for right there at the end when she very was very unsubtle about not leaving you I liked that scene with them. I thought they were they were sweet enough. I, you know, I, I after 206, I will never see Maria the same way again. I'll never feel the same way about her. But I liked that scene. I thought they were sweet. The problem is not their scenes. The problem is not their scenes. It's the build up to those scenes, right? Like, so if there had been a proper lead up, I would feel much differently about their scenes because they are very sweet. I don't think there's a lot of chemistry there anymore, but they are very soft scenes that are nice. But the problem is, is that we went from zero to that in the span of one episode. And if we were getting these scenes with them as friends, like from back at season one, when they were kind of that fun, flirty friend kind of dynamic, if we were getting these things in an almost similar and almost exactly the same, just that they were friends. I think that they might be my favorite dynamic currently on the show. Yeah. I mean, the number of people I've seen saying they had way more chemistry when they were just friends. is just hilarious. It is true. I mean, yeah. And how, how different to have a male and female character who are literally just friends. Yeah, I mean, they kind of have that with, with Michael and Liz, who I think they have way more chemistry than Michael and Maria right now. Like, I honestly wouldn't be opposed to a Michael and Liz thing sooner or later. Like, whatever, you know? Michael and Liz don't flirt, though. I would still want to have that, like, harmless flirting dynamic that they had in the first season and have them be friends. And then when somebody's like, are you guys dating? They're like, ew, no. Like, I would have loved to have seen that, but... Yeah, can't have it all. <laughs> can't have anything. Oh, I did have something I wanted to say about the pollen and the necklace. As knowing that a lot of these people come from like the Vampire Diaries originals stuff. I don't want the pollen and the necklace to become like the daylight rings where it's just a get out of jail free card when it comes to every to everybody's abilities. I don't know what the fuck you just said. So what? Yeah. <laughs> What does that mean? <laughs> so, okay. So in the Vampire Diaries, obviously vampires in that universe cannot go out in the sun. If they expose to the sun, they burn up. So early in like the first season, the 
Bonnie, the witch character, she like puts a spell on a ring for the main character that allows her to go out in the sun. Oh my God, what <laughs> BS! And so everybody, every vampire ends up with a daylight ring by the end of the show. That's what, that's the lie that Alex was talking about with in 207 because that guy, he didn't have a daylight ring, but he had a ring on the show that like gave him immortality or whatever. Oh, that makes much That's what sense. he's talking about. Oh. I just don't want, I don't want the pollen. I don't want the necklace. Oh God, no. No, because that's because that's lazy. Look, because that's lazy. Because then you can't find a way around the lore that you've created, and that's just lazy. So God, no, I don't want that to become like no. I mean, I don't think so. I mean, I think they're actively trying to find a way to, you know, cure Maria. Or at least Michael is trying to find a way to cure Maria or help with at least the degenerative part of, you know, her powers. Um. But I don't think so. I mean, they've made it pretty clear in season one that he, he, Michael specifically, doesn't want to have that pollen for himself. You know, that he doesn't like the effect of that. So I think it's more of a, you know, let's actively try to find a cure for the, you know, for both Maria and Mimi. I meant more about Maria and Rosa and not really the pod squad. Like, I don't want to be like, hey, wear this necklace and you'll be fine. Done. Okay, so, Alex and Forrest. I feel like we've been waiting to see them forever. Like, honestly. Um, I have, I do have to say that I have a little bit mixed feelings about their scenes. Um, I'm not angry necessarily i'm just sad about you know the last scene um but i did think that their first scene at the paintball you know the paintball date was cute the reference to 10 things i had about you was cute um and i did like that uh, alex was the one asking um because i think it was a huge step for him uh i did like that they referenced um alex's ptsd i would like for them to go a little more into detail but at least it's out there now you know because before it was like yeah he has ptsd but it was never mentioned never gave hints of it um so it's something that we just assumed and i did like force um reaction to seeing his life. Making Forrest military was a choice, though. Like, um, I don't know. I'm assuming it was a way for them to bond. Um, but I feel like we're... I just feel like there's other ways that could have happened. Like, I don't think that that... that there are other jobs. Like, not everyone has to be... I don't know. That was a weird choice. And I think that, it, it, you know, that's another... For me, makes me go, mm, is Forrest what we think he is? You know, I, I, I don't know. Um, because he, he, there was, there was no actual need to make him military. I don't think that that would have made, they wouldn't have bonded any differently. I think it plays into the theory that a lot of fandom has about Forrest not being who we think he is. I absolutely believe that he's not who we think he is. Sorry. I, you know, I, I, I could be very wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I don't want Alex to be sad anymore. He's sad all the damn time. I want him to be happy, but I just feel like. They've already shown Forrest as this, like, as I've called him before, a Walmart Alex. I'm so sorry. But this sort of, like, mirror image of Alex, like, now we have even more. Both grew up in families that were clearly not accepting of them. Both joined the military. You know, the list goes on and on and on. So I think I think making him military just made that even clearer. And I don't, and now is he, like, evil to Alex's goodness like is it going to be one of those like i don't know also i don't want i don't want gay characters to be evil for no fucking reason no i mean i agree but look what they did with look what they look what they did with noah they don't care about making you know minorities evil so as someone who has watched cw shows for an embarrassingly long time I feel like I can see where this is going immediately, where Forrest is not who he says he is. He's probably working for Deep Sky. 
and he's been planted to by Jesse or by Deep Sky or something to work Alex. And he's going to do that. Then he's going to fall in love with Alex. And then he's going to like, and then they're going to find out and Alex is going to be all betrayed and, and Forrest is going to be like, no, but I love you. And then he's going to join the pod squad side. I mean, I can just, I can see all of these plot points already. I mean, which is not necessarily a bad thing. We've talked before about how good writing shouldn't be this plot twist that hits you out of nowhere. You should be able to see stuff coming. Um, and I think at the very least, we all know CW shows are formulaic. That is not necessarily a bad thing. There's a reason they're so successful. Um, I I don't want... Here's what I don't want. They're setting Forrest up to be this character that helps Alex... Heavy dose of sarcasm here. Come out of the closet in, the, in their socially acceptable way. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. But in their idea of how someone should be out of the closet, they want, you know, the writers want Alex to fit that. So clearly Forrest is there to help Alex get to that point. So then what do you think it's going to do to him if the person that gets him to that point ends up having betrayed him? And so that's my only thing. Not that I don't think it would be good drama, because of course it would. But what it means, what it would mean for Alex as a character, I don't want to see. So I'm very conflicted. I don't know. Um, so then we see um, Alex talking to his leaving the the date to go to his dad um at the hospital which to me just reinforced a the idea that jesse is just flat out lying to people saying that he just changed his mind um you know because he's still like oh trip was the best man i ever knew and it's like sure whatever Oh, and then, like, using that crutch to, like, scare Alex, that pissed me off. Because, like, you know, Alex, all the physical trauma he's been under. That's how you know this is, this is, the, he, Jesse is still just the same Jesse. And then, um, I think we talked about it in the last episode with Helena. Um, it's still kind of, this scene from Alex's point of view is still kind of the attachment. You know, it's still that feeling of... I don't believe him and I don't trust him, but he's still my dad. So he's, I still feel this kind of obligation to him, which is, I think their dynamic is very interesting. Um, so that was an interesting scene. Um, and then to me, with what happened later when Forrest and Alex are at the well pony, it just kind of, I see this parallel in my head of what happened at the drive-in. Um, in 103 of Alex just his dad is there and he sets him back centuries with what he was doing uh, every time he sees his dad which um, yeah so anyway um, we see Alex and Forrest at the pony which was a weird choice because Forrest suggested planet seven <laughs> which is like i mean i understand it i understand alex wanting to be at a pony because it's familiar it's you know it's maria's bar whatever but also the line of it's full of cowboys you know it's full of rednecks uh duh it's a locals bar alex like but he's also not i mean he's not comfortable showing affection you know i i, I get it i still think it was just like a Here's my, here's what, I get what the point is with Alex, I do, and I get what his journey is, but the problem is, is that I already have issues with how Alex was written this season, but now we're, it feels like we're sending him back even further, so, to go on this journey, and I get the point of it, and I get, you know, I understand, but it just feels, it, it makes me want to bang my head on the, the table, because it's just... Either let Alex progress or let him write him off the damn show. Like, I'm, I mean, I'm just like, that's my frustration level because it's like, you're not letting, you're saying all these things. We've had to watch Alex struggle with the same issues that he struggled with in 101, 103, all of that. Here we are at 208 and there's still the issues. It should have been not resolved, but it should have been explored more long before this. So now we're going back in time. We're going through all this again. So let him... 
resolve some of these things. You already let him confront Jesse once, which it came to nothing. So I don't, I don't know. I just want to see some character progression. Like I, I don't want to see regret regression anymore. I'm tired of it. But I get that Alex is probably not comfortable going to a gay bar. I, I think that, I think that we'll get Alex at planet seven before the end of the season. I, I just, I feel like that, but yeah, I, yeah, that that's the thing for me as well. I mean, I I understand that scene. I understand that progress isn't linear. Um, I understand that internalized homophobia is hard. We already seen that. Everyone's idea, because the whole the my only problem with Forrest and Alex came down to the line about Forrest shaming Alex, but he was. But, but discussing with him about him not being out, right? Hi. Listen, um, back today, you don't have to explain. I'm a big believer in enthusiastic consent, so if you're not into me, it's... No. It, it's not that. Trust me. It's just that I, I still have my dad's voice in my head telling me that being seen with a man in public is an embarrassment. To my name and my uniform. It's nothing like a dad voice to mess up a perfectly good date. It's also just that. I mean, Roswell's so conservative. This bar is filled with cowboys. If you want to go someplace private, look, I like you. But I don't want to climb into somebody else's closet. I cannot tell you how badly I want to be done with this freaking closet. But you're not. And that's okay. Really? Listen. If that voice in your head ever shuts up, give me a call. It's between you and me. Making out with a hot guy in public is only made hotter when it pisses off all the bigots and homophobes. And how Forrest, for himself, did not want to go backwards. Okay. Everyone's version of being out is different. I get what they're trying to say that it's not Alex doesn't ever have to be overly affectionate in public. He doesn't have to, you know, carry the flag and be that, you know, out in that fashion. But the fact that someone can look at you and say the way that you are and the way that you are out is not acceptable to me because I don't think that that's how you should be out. That is my problem because everyone is out in a different way and what that means for them. So I, it's not, I, I just wish that they had approached that a little bit of a different fashion. Yeah, I did. I, I have to say that I did understand where Forrest was coming from. Um, I do wish that we got a little more background on him because he's obviously more comfortable um, in his sexuality than what Alex is at this point um and he's obviously you know ready to be more open with you know public affection but with public affection okay but what does that mean but what does that mean but what but but not everybody likes public affection that doesn't mean that they're not but i'm saying like that's my problem like what's the level of acceptable being out for alex like who's deciding that so he has to kiss forrest in public yeah, but I mean, I, I understood it from a point of view of I don't want to be in a relationship that forces me to hide myself. I, I did understand that point of view. So unless Alex shows PDA, then, then Forrest feels like he's moving backwards. So that's not fair on Alex. That's not fair on anyone who's not... What if someone... What if someone's never comfortable? What if someone's never comfortable? Yeah, and we have to mis- we have to assume in in places like Roswell as well. I mean, I don't know exactly, but that's the way that they have established it. You know, it's a place pretty conservative town and stuff. Mind blowing that it has a gay bar, but one last note about the line that Forrest says to Alex that is supposed to be sort of cheeky, like what's better than to show up a bunch of bigots than to make out in front of them or whatever. Um, 
I guess I get the f- hilarity behind that line and what it's supposed to mean, but you're saying that to someone who was physically abused and had to watch someone being physically abused because of a bigot. So I think it just comes down to maybe Forrest doesn't really understand Alex and obviously doesn't know his history. Um, but right. But I think that's why lines like that are problematic because yes, in a perfect world where you feel safe, then sure. Like make out in front of a bunch of bigots and that's sort of your sign of protest. A, that's not everyone's sign of protest. B, it's not possible for everyone. C, there are legitimate spaces in this country and all over the world where gay people are not safe. You cannot, you cannot assign the same idea of being out or protesting or being comfortable to the same to everyone because every place is different. Every person's different. So I just want that, that lines like that, I, I know are throwaway lines. I don't like them because I don't like, not every queer person is the same. Well, and that line comes from somebody who's writing from a place of privilege. You know, uh, I like I said before, I'm lucky to live in a very metropolitan area, but I still get looks if I walk down the street holding a girl's hand. Like it's not, it's not always safe. I mean, and sometimes protesting by making out with someone of the same sex in front of bigots and homophobes gets you killed here. So I think, I think that's the only, and I don't, it's, I don't want to turn into the, you know, anti-Forlex or anti-Forest. I mean, I, I'm happy if Alex is happy. I'm glad to see queer representation. Like I'm totally, I, I don't ship them, but I get it. But what I don't, but some of, some of Forrest's lines, his lines are, you could tell they were written maybe by someone privileged. And their idea of what being out means. And, and, and I, so I'm just, I'm, I'm cautious about what that means for their, their future. Yeah. It's like, I totally understand his point of view, but it's also very privileged. And I mean, I think that's fair to say, you know. I guess I want Alex to want to be his version of out and be comfortable. I don't want him to be out in Forrest's description of it or Michael's description of it or Isabel's description of it. I want Alex to be out in the way that makes him comfortable, whatever that means, whatever that means for Alex and not for someone else, but for himself being out is very different for everyone. And I just, so that's, that's my hope for whatever they're going to do with Alex and Forrest in the future. Um, all right. So that was a recap for episode 208. Um, we'll of course be back next week with episode 209. And in the meantime, you guys can reach out um, via Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr at Queer Alien Blast. And you can find us at notthatcomplicated.net as well. And we'd love to hear your thoughts and feedback. And we'll see you guys next week. <laughs>